The Overwhelmed Brain is a proud provider of self-empowerment for your personal evolution. Are you annoyed by affirmations? When you lost the phone number to that very attractive person that you just met, do the clouds part and the sun comes shining when someone comes up to you and says, Think positively! I know, works every time, right? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then get ready to start creating the life you've always wanted now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. Also, I am your personal something-something coach. (laughs) How about I am a personal empowerment coach, and on every episode, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. If you're here to learn more common sense tips for improving your life, you are in the wrong place. Turn the channel. This is the direct path to uncommon sense, and that's why it's going to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. Today's quote is by Henry Kaiser, and it's this. When your work speaks for itself, don't interrupt. There's something out in the world today that I've heard, and it's a term that I've, I wasn't familiar with until about a year ago, called metaphysical malpractice. And when I heard that term, I was like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, if you've ever met someone on a spiritual path, or maybe they're studying the law of attraction, or they're uh, they're they're an energy worker or any of a number of metaphysical modalities. When you meet someone like that, you're going to meet different types of people. You're going to meet people that are congruent with what they teach. And when they go home, they are the same person as you see when they're teaching you. And then you're going to meet uh, people who aren't so congruent with what they teach. And what I mean by that is there are practitioners in the world that will show you that positive thinking is wonderful and that the law of attraction is working for them and they are practicing it all the time. And if you join their class, they'll teach you how to feel an eternal state of bliss all the time. I don't know if you've ever seen those ads, but eternally blissful all the time. Yes, it's possible. I'm not saying it's not. Would I want to feel that all the time? Probably not, because too much of anything is too much as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, there are people out there that will teach eternal bliss or a constant state of peace or whatever. And nothing against them. I'm all for that. Anything that makes you happier and more peace in yourself, I'm all for that. Where the metaphysical malpractice term comes in is when you meet someone who's not congruent with what they teach. And you don't typically see that incongruence until they don't get something that they want or until they get something they don't want. (laughs) Either way, 
the people that aren't in full congruence with what they teach will show you who they really are when they are faced with adversity. And one particular example that I heard secondhand was someone who uh, said that they would be at one of these gurus' classes. And she's like, great, you know, I'll, I'll teach you everything that you need to know to reach this eternal state or whatever she said. And then something came up and he had to cancel. So the next thing that happened is she ended up trying to guilt him to come to the class by saying, you made a promise. You said that you'd be here and now you're backing off on your promise. When I heard this, (laughs) I didn't understand what was happening. I, I thought, wait a minute, these people are supposed to be in this enlightened state of bliss. And I think one of the metaphysical teachings that I've been exposed to, at least in my lifetime, is that everything happens for a reason. And when you are in the face of adversity, it's part of the the learning lesson and the experience that you're supposed to have. Now, this is my own belief system, but when I heard that that's how that spiritual teacher responded, I was like, whoa, get out of that right away. Back up fast. That's incongruent. That's not who they really are. They may teach that stuff, but that's not who they are. And if they're not practicing it in their life, there's something, I don't want to say wrong, but there's something unusual about that. And it's time to go with your gut because your gut's going to say, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right at all. And go with that gut feeling. Just go with it and back off because I don't know if you want to be a part of that. I wouldn't want to be a part of that. There's there's a beautiful thing that happens when someone is faced with adversity. Like I said, their true colors come out and you get to see the real them. That's why I, I hate to say it, I kind of like getting um, negative feedback about me and the show. It doesn't happen often, so I'm very grateful. But when it does happen, I check to see how I first respond inside. What's my first reaction? What's my first instinct? What's the first emotion that comes up? And do I act upon that emotion? It really is a true test. I mean, I've had to face a couple uh, negative criticisms about me and the show. Uh, One of them in particular was when I had this show evaluated by a professional radio show evaluator. I mean, that was his job. And he gave me some I mean, he sliced my show up. He he said things that were quite offensive. And my first response was anger. Like, I put a lot of time into the show and this guy's saying this about the show. And I caught myself getting angry going, whoa, why am I getting angry? What? Why is this so important to me? He sent me an uh, an audio of the entire review of my show. And I listened to the whole thing. I was probably angry the whole time, or at least upset a little bit, but I tried to listen uh, with an open mind, with an objective opinion about everything that he was saying, and I got through it. I did have to express some of that anger, at least not to him, but you know, to my girlfriend, and be like, oh, how could he say that about this, and how could he say that about that? You know, uh, and so I just had to get that negative emotional energy out of my system. But when I did, after I got it out, 
I realized, okay, what can I learn from this? You know, this guy does this for a living and obviously he knows a little bit more than I do. And I can either take it personally and not do a thing differently about my show and just move forward bullheaded (laughs) and see how far I get. Or I can take his comments and remember, and this is something I thought about a long time ago when I worked for a jerk. Even jerks have good advice. Not always, (laughs) but even a jerk can have good advice. Now, I'm not saying he's a jerk. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, uh, he gave this evaluation to me for free. So I was so grateful and he was very friendly about it. But to hear uh, criticism about your own stuff, about your own work, it it takes a strong will (laughs) not to do something that you've poured many hours and many years into. So again, I, after the, uh, critic, after I heard the criticism, I sat back and, you know, my anger subsided after I expressed. And then I thought about, okay, what did he say? What are the facts? And I listened to all the facts. And for the most part, I changed. Uh, this is when episode 100 came around. You probably remember if you're a longtime listener, I changed the format of this show. And a lot of it was because of the things he said. And in my mind, or one of the things he said was, you know, your show, it needs to mature. It needs to mature to a point where it's more digestible. And I thought, what? I know more about personal growth than you do. (laughs) But I decided to instead uh, ask myself this question. If he's right, what would I do differently? And I think that's an important question for any one of us to ask. If that, even if you don't like what they said, but if they're right, what would I do differently? And that's when uh, changes to the show occurred. I mean, it was a hundred episodes. I think it was time to evolve the show anyway. And a lot of people have written to me saying, I, I miss the music intros <laughs> and I do too, but everything has to evolve if it's going to continue to be sustainable in this world, everything you have to adapt to change. Really, that's what it comes down to. When you're in any type of relationship, you hope that you're growing together and adapting together. And as you do, you grow through the hardships, you grow through the challenges, and you evolve into a more bonding place. And if you're not bonding, then at least you're both growing And hopefully you're going in the same direction. And if you're not going in the same direction, then you're still growing, but maybe you're growing apart, but you're still growing. And that's the most important thing is that you continue to evolve in a positive way and move forward, get that forward momentum, even if it means you split up. And I'm not just talking about intimate relationships. I'm talking about any relationship you have with anybody or anything. You can have a relationship with your job. You can have a relationship with your car, with people, anybody or anything. When it's time to grow and evolve beyond the relationship, you do it because you have to adapt. You have to sustain. It's like my car. I had a Chrysler Concorde and I loved that car. It was the deluxe edition. I bought it used, but it was like a brand new car. Well, I poured thousands of dollars into it 
trying to keep it maintained mechanically. And when I was, this is when I was married and my wife's like, you need to get rid of that car. It's just sucking your money dry. And I was like, but I love this car. It's exactly what everything I want in a car. It's comfortable and it drives great. Yeah. But every time you take it to the mechanic, you spend a thousand dollars on it. And I was like, yeah, a thousand dollars minimum. <laughs> She's like, you got to get rid of that car. And I refused and I refused and I refused. And I really did have to get rid of that car. I should have. Because that, here's what happens. I didn't get rid of that car. And that was the same car that broke down in the desert 1,000 miles away from home. Because I refused to grow and evolve. I refused to evolve from the relationship, grow from the relationship. When the other person or thing in the relationship is always causing you hardship and making you feel bad, then there's something about that. There's something that has to evolve from that. There's something that has to happen in order for you to get to a better place. So I learned the hard way that because I didn't get rid of that car sooner, that every time I needed to take it in, there was always something major wrong with it. I should have gotten rid of it sooner. Otherwise, I probably would have never broken down in the desert. Of course, I can look at it experientially and say, if I had never broken down in the desert, I never would have learned to let go of attachments and get over my anxiety. <laughs> so there's a spiritual lesson for you right there. So what's the answer? I still believe that um, you're going to learn the lessons you need to learn. But when you have a chance to grow and evolve, whether it's with the thing or the person or without them, you need to take that chance, especially if the other thing or person is holding you back in any way. But let me come right back to this quote and finish up this segment. When your work speaks for itself, don't interrupt. I want you to take the idea that you don't have to tell people you did a good job when it's obvious. You don't have to tell people that you're this great teacher that has great learnings for them when it's obvious, when it happens anyway. The reason I told you the story about the spiritual teachers who commit metaphysical malpractice is because uh, these teachers that I talk about, they talk a lot. And sometimes they do provide the results they talk about. Some of them can be incongruent, and when they're faced with adversity, their true colors come out. And in my opinion, when you find a good teacher in your life, they're not going to talk all over you because you're going to look at them and see their results. You're going to know that they're congruent by the way they behave, the way they act, when they're not trying to teach you, when they're on their own, when they're faced with getting the wrong order at a restaurant or a cold soup or whatever, you're going to see who they really are and how they really live their life. And it's something to take away for yourself. If you're going to learn anything, results speak for themselves. So when you see behavior from someone that isn't congruent with what's being taught, that is your opportunity to do a quick gut check, figure out if this feels right, and if it doesn't, Take a step in the direction that does feel right. Now let's go on to our next segment called Ask Paul.
All right. Every week we talk with Asha, who is an independent associate for Legal Shield. If you don't know what that is, just imagine that you have access to an attorney anytime you need one for about $20 a month. And Asha connects you with this service. And instead of paying hundreds of dollars an hour for an attorney to write you a letter or make a phone call for you or just answer simple questions or difficult questions about the challenges that you're going through, Asha will make sure that you have someone on your side that will help you get out of the mess. In fact, that's her website, getoutofthemess.com. So today I thought it would be quite interesting to ask Asha how and why she became an associate. I know she's been using the service a while, uh, but what led her into the transition of actually becoming an associate and what does that mean for the listeners of this show? Well, there's a couple ways to think about that. You know, what does it mean in general? which is that I am a registered associate with the company Legal Shield and I am allowed to sell their subscription services, their products and services and receive commission in turn for selling them. But what does it mean to me? It means extra income in my pocket that I can keep instead of giving it away to somebody else. I, You know I'd been using the service. I love the service. Whenever it comes up, I'm constantly raving about the service and telling people, you really should look into this. It saved me a lot of money. They have top-notch attorneys. I would never go without them. I'd go without health insurance before I go without this service. So I was constantly turning people on to somebody else who was selling it. And every time I do that, you know, it's... 50 bucks or so in somebody else's pocket. That's not a hard firm number, you know, things change, but basically I was handing money away every time and I really do believe in the service. And I decided that as a professional musician who <laughs> moonlights doing normal day work here and there, this would be a good addition to my income. So I decided I would try it. You know, I'm not a big MLMer. I'm not a big fan of a lot of them go nowhere, but this is not something that it was expensive to get into. It was very cost effective and I don't have to do anything more than I've always done. So I decided it was a good fit for me. Then of course, as we were looking at your show and realizing that it's all about empowering people, this service is an excellent fit for uh, the Overwhelmed Brain listeners because it has provided me empowerment absolutely for sure and peace of mind. So it has helped me to reduce stress substantially, saved me a lot of money. I feel stronger and like somebody's got my back. So it's a good fit for me. So if there's anyone out there who's looking for some side income or is retired and might be interested, feel free to give me a call. I don't usually talk about it, but it is perfectly viable and an excellent uh it's a product that you can believe in if you choose to represent it. So let's wrap this up and let me ask you this. If someone wanted to make income on the side, can they talk with you in setting that up and being an associate for Legal Shield? Yeah, absolutely. I'm the person to contact. If you're interested, please reach out at the normal number, 678-355-8777. And I'm happy to speak with you or you can um, go to getoutofthemess.com, click the contact me at the top and leave me a message. Let me know that you want more information about being an associate. 
I'm happy to get back with you, kind of tell you how it goes, and get you set up. That's getoutofthemess.com. Thank you so much, Asha. All right, this next segment is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to answer their question and help them through a challenge that they're having. Here is today's listener email. Hi, Paul. Thank you so much for all the obvious hard work and passion that you pour into the overwhelmed brain. I've been listening for about three months, and I am so thankful to have found you. I have a question about stress for a future show. Or maybe you can point me to an existing show on this. Yesterday was a total Monday at work. The heater broke over the weekend, so it was 40 degrees in our office all morning. My coworker and I had two jackets on, hats, and gloves. Our computers were even having a hard time opening an email. On top of that, with the new year starting, many unfinished projects in the company seemed to come to everyone's attention, and they were calling me asking where we were with all of them. The truth is, my department had done everything we could months ago, and we were simply waiting on them. <laughs> and here they were, calling us, asking for answers, when they didn't even bother to answer our questions for final information. This happened five times yesterday, and by the third time, I started to get angry. These are all great people, but very unorganized, and this causes stress for my team as we have to keep explaining and sending emails only to repeat this same cycle all over again in a few months. So my question is, how do I keep perspective here while my emotions are rising? They're only asking questions, no one is yelling, yet I realize that I am the one who's having stress pile up. I felt like I could handle all of this without becoming stressed, but I feel like I'm lacking the tools to walk myself through how to stay cool. Any advice is greatly appreciated. Signed, not really Mandy. Thank you so much for writing this, Mandy, and I totally get it. I've been in work situations where I felt like I was the most organized person there and everyone else, <laughs> let's just say they weren't. I actually had this happen quite a few years ago when I was in a company meeting for a company that I worked for in Oregon. And in this company meeting, we had it was very productive. We all we talked about what's going to happen. All right, here's what we need to do. We're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to get this set up and we're going to complete this project and we're going to need uh, to contact this person, all these little details. And at the end of the meeting, I was like, okay, great. Uh, this this ought to be good. This, this is really productive. So who gets what? And the person running the meeting just ended the meeting and said, okay, everyone back to work. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> who does what? And everyone was about to leave without taking responsibility for anything. And so I asked, I mean, who do you want to handle this particular job? And everyone just kind of looked at me strange. And I went to the, the leader, the project manager at the time, and I asked her, who do you want to handle this particular job? And she's like, well, the IT department will handle that. And I'm like, okay, I, um, I'm part of the IT department here. And the people I report to didn't 
say that they were going to handle it. So who is going to handle it? And by now I'm talking in my head going, I don't understand what's going on here. How do we have all this productive conversation and no one gets assigned? (laughs) So I realized what was happening is that no one really liked to, I don't know, confront or everyone just assumed that it was going to be taken care of. And in my experience at this company and others, if you don't assign and provide accountability, things will just get swept under the rug or they'll just get lost in the void. There's a black hole where all unassigned jobs go to. And I'm sure everyone listening (laughs) right now has uh, an idea of what I'm talking about. When you don't assign and provide accountability, things just disappear. And I experienced it at this company a few times, which is why I wanted to stay very aware of what was happening during the meeting and why people weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And by the end of the meeting, I figured out why they weren't doing what they're supposed to do because nobody took responsibility for anything that they were trying to assign. They just assigned it to departments and assumed that the department heads would take care of it. So I went to my department head and said, what are we going to do about this? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, who's going to do this job? And he goes, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, And I didn't believe that because typically these things, again, got lost in the void. So that was my first experience with uh, a situation where I felt the most organized and I was working with a bunch of people that weren't, let's just say, as organized as I was, or at least in my own head. (laughs) So I know where you're at, Mandy. I know what's uh, going on in your mind where you are waiting for answers for, from someone else so that you can continue moving forward. I know people in my life right now that have corporate type jobs or office type jobs where they've done all the work and they've sent every single email and left every single voicemail and believed they had confirmation on all this stuff, yet the customer still comes back or the vendor or whoever still comes back and says, why aren't you done yet? We've been waiting for you. And my friend will go, what? Look at this email, this email, and this email. We've been waiting for you. And then there'll be some unnecessary argument. Then finally things will get back on track. So how can all this be avoided? Because this builds stress. I totally get it. This builds frustration, irritation, You don't understand, you don't even know what's going to happen because things are going to come at you from left field. Things that you know you're done with are going to come back and haunt you in some way when you work for people that aren't very organized or when you are working with people, like I said, coworkers, uh, customers, vendors, when you're working with people that aren't very organized or are relying on you for everything and as long as they don't have anything assigned to them, or they think they don't have anything assigned to them, as long as they don't think they have anything to do, they'll just wait for you to do everything. That absolves them of responsibility and accountability. So again, what do you do? Well, here's my first rule. When management or anyone you work with are unorganized and you choose to continue working there, you have to make up for their deficiencies. If you don't want to be stressed, (laughs) soak that in for a second. When the people that you're working with or for are unorganized and you choose to continue working there, 
you have to make up for their deficiencies if you don't want to be stressed. And all I mean by that is that you have to stay on the ball and keep them informed of everything that's going on, especially if it's important, so that you stay ahead of them following up on their own stuff coming to you. Now, what do I mean by that? This means that you anticipate that they are not going to do their due diligence or they are not going to be accountable or feel responsible for the job set before them. This means that you have to realize that, for example, let's just say your manager is Joe. You have to realize that Joe is not going to look at the spreadsheet to see what's been done on the job and he's going to assume that things aren't done and he's also going to assume that there's nothing that he needs to do to get things done because someone else took care of it. You just have to know that that's what he's going to assume because that's his MO. That's what he does. And when you understand that there are certain people that you work with that will not seek out all the facts before they come uh, yelling at you or whatever and start blaming you for things that aren't done, that they're going to do it again and again. It's just who they are. They, they're just probably, like you said, not organized. So what you need to do to stay not stressed is keep them apprised as often as possible. In fact, as often until they get sick of hearing about it. And make sure you use something that is trackable, whether they sign off on something, whether you send them an email and they respond to the email, they have to respond to it, or they get they leave you a voicemail that acknowledges what's in place because you know what'll happen. It's called CYA. <laughs> Cover your butt, except the A stands for something else. Create an accountability roadmap so that you can go back and say, look, you agreed to it on the 16th. Here it is. That keeps you out of stress. You're always covered. And you are anticipating that they are going to flip out because they don't know all the facts or they just forgot. So it's very important that you keep their nose to the grindstone in the sense that you're keeping them apprised of every situation, whatever, every day, every week, however much it takes until they're sick of hearing about it. Because if you do it once and then you let it go for months and then they want to know what's happening with it and it turns out that you've been waiting on them the whole time, then it's important that you keep bugging them until they give you what you need and create an accountability roadmap. This has been a huge relief of stress for me. I would anticipate what my boss or my coworkers need and have it ready for them. And I would also figure out what they're going to stress about and try to have that completed for them before they do it. Was it my job to do their job? No. Was it my job to make sure that they had everything in order for their job? No. But I made it my job because I would rather enjoy what I do and enjoy the people I work with than have to deal with their breakdown (laughs) where they lose it or they get upset. Now, did it cause me any more stress? No, it actually took away stress. So even though, yes, I shouldn't be doing anything for them and everyone has their own job and I should adopt, it's not my job, so I'm not going to do it attitude. But if it relieves me from stress and I do want to continue working there, then I'm going to make some sacrifices to make my life easier. 
And of course, those sacrifices aren't sacrifices at all. They just seem like they are because you're doing sometimes someone else's work. So that's my first thing. Anticipate what they need and try to make it happen. And also keep them up to date all the time. If they really are that type of person, then just continue to keep them up to date almost daily if you have to until they're sick of it. You just want to make sure that and ask yourself, when this blows up, because you know it will, are all my bases covered? That way you're planning for your own CYA. You're planning to look like you did everything right over and over again. Not because you're afraid you'll get in trouble, but because you know it's going to blow up and that you know that fingers are going to be pointing at you and it's going to be a lot easier to walk in confidently and go, nope, I got everything covered. Oh, you asked me to do that three months ago. That's already done. And then you don't have to feel any fear because you've done everything you could. And if they still lay it down on you and put all the blame on you or look to you as the cause of all this problem, then maybe it's not the right place to work. I hate to say that because sometimes we rely on our job for our income, but boy, if you're stressed every single day and you're always worried about someone exploding, no matter how organized you can get and how much information you can provide, if it still goes sour after all that, then it's time to honor yourself and at least say something about it. At least say, look, I've done everything I can. If you can't treat me with respect, then we need to talk. And if they don't like the idea of being of treating you with respect, again, time to make some hard decisions. What this really comes down to for me is a matter of trust. When you work in any type of team environment, you have to build a trust with one another. You have to know that your boss is going to do his or her job, that your coworker is going to do their job, that your subordinates are going to do their job. You have to know with at least some level of trust that it's going to happen. And if you have any single person in the organization that causes that trust to break down because they always falter in some way, they're always doing something that is not conducive to teamwork or they're they're causing problems in a way where the team breaks down. That one person can disrupt an entire organization. And if that one person is the boss, that's a problem. It's hard to work for people like that. I won't work for somebody like that. I refuse. I refuse to work. If if the boss doesn't listen to me and doesn't want my input, then I will leave. I will not put myself in a position where I am forced to take orders from someone who puts me in an unempowering or a disempowering place. I can't work for someone who doesn't support me. It's impossible. I mean, no one really can, at least with any type of uh, happiness. If your superior doesn't support you, and I don't mean just emotional or support or financial support, I mean in any way. If they found out that a customer yelled at you and your boss yells at you because the customers yelled at you instead of your boss supporting you going, wow, why did that customer yell at you? Let's call them. You know, where does the boss go when something goes wrong? Do they trust you and go, well, I know you do a good job, so let's figure this out. Or do they blame you? Well, what did you do this time? And do you want to be in that type of situation? There's got to be trust amongst all the team members. Otherwise, the system can fail. 
or slow down to a crawl or cause stress like it is for you. If it's a coworker, what can we do to improve this? Can we get rid of the coworker? Can we teach or train the coworker? If it's a boss, what can you do to help? Hey, I noticed that you need help in this area. What can I do to help? I mean, we offer our help. We offer our assistance if we can, but sometimes it, these people are just the way they are and they're hard to work for and hard to work with. And we either have to stick it out and do what we can to make sure that our job is the least stressful possible, or we have to get out and choose something else. I know it's not easy to just get up and leave a job, but how many hours are you spending at something that you don't like? Every single day. I mean, that's most of your life. (laughs) Every single day with people that are causing you stress. I'm not saying that that's the answer that you have to leave. I'm saying that when you've tried everything else and work or career is still stressful, you sometimes have to make the hard choice. So that's it for this Ask Paul segment. I hope that helped you, Mandy. Uh, Certainly, if you're still stressed, you know I do coaching, right? (laughs) Just reach out to me. Go to The Overwhelmed Brain and click on Coach with Paul, and I'll be happy to work with you. Speaking of which, let's talk about that coming up right now. If you've been listening a while, you know that I'm a personal empowerment coach and that I offer coaching as a service from my website. What you may not know, however, is my philosophy or my overall mission when it comes to coaching people. One thing I've learned over and over again is that before people come to coach with me, most of my clients don't feel empowered. They don't feel the confidence and self-assuredness that one might have if they felt the emotional strength to make the choices they need to make in their life. Or maybe they do feel that strength but aren't able to come to a decision or get out of a bad place inside of them or even a bad place outside of them. So I've come up with a personal mission that I want to share with you and it's this. I want to help you become empowered so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Now, I choose to use this philosophy with everyone I work with. If you're not empowered, then you're probably making decisions that are right for other people, but not for you. And if you do that enough, you'll get worn out, you'll get burnt out, and you'll feel like you're fading out because it will seem that those around you aren't having the problems that you're having. It'll feel like you're alone and no one cares. That's because you've forgotten that you do have the emotional strength inside of you to make decisions that are right for you. You just maybe don't know how to access it anymore. Or maybe you feel like you do know how to access it, but that by showing any type of self-improvement, you'll be put down for it. Whatever the case I'm here to help. I want you to go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on Coach with Paul. Even if you're not sure I can help you or not, schedule a free 15-minute consultation to figure out if I'm a good fit for you. 
That way there's no commitment and you'll see if coaching with me is right for you. You can also leave me a message at my coaching line at 503-616-4010. I'm happy to call or email you back. Let's talk and let's get you to a place of empowerment so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on Coach with Paul now. All right, this next segment is called What's in the Box? And this is where I just have some sort of potpourri topic that I pull out of nowhere. (laughs) Sometimes I have something planned and sometimes I don't. And this just came to me because it was out of a conversation that I had with my girlfriend. One of the things that happened when we first met, we were both on an online dating site and I was in New Hampshire and she was in Georgia. And one of the things that happened is that when I met her online and things started to get, you know, a little bit serious where I was thinking, hey, this could really be something. She told me that she was still uh, contemplating other people and looking to possibly go out on dates and just see who would be a best match for her. And this bothered me. (laughs) At first, I was like, wait, I'm kind of getting serious about you here. And, you know, we still hadn't met. We talked on the phone and we'd done video chat and things like that. But everything was just still friendly and just getting to know each other. So her idea of still, you know, looking for potential partners uh, was certainly legitimate. But there was something inside of me that became a little insecure. And that insecurity uh, caused me to say, what? You're you're still looking for people? You're you're still going to go out on dates? And I realized, wow, that doesn't feel very good. And she's like, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about you except from what you told me. And I don't know if this is going to work out or not. And, you know, you could be a great person, but m- maybe I'll find someone here that's, <laughs> I don't think she said it, but this is what I'm hearing. Maybe I'll find someone here that's even better <laughs> than you. So this little insecurity came up in me and I found myself saying, and I did say, you're not going to turn off your profile and stop talking to other people? And she goes, well, why should I? And I, and I said you know, something like, well, because aren't, isn't this going somewhere? And, and again, she said, I don't even know you. I mean, you, you've told me things about you, but I have to, you know, keep all my options open. So, you know, that kind of hit me and I was like, oh, this feels not right. And so I sat with it. Not long. I sat with it for like a minute or two. And I thought, you know, why am I being this way? She doesn't even know me. And we have nothing together yet. I mean, we have a good connection, a good friendship. And it is possible that we could have something in the near future But it's also possible that she could be passing up people that might be more compatible or just worth her time more, quite frankly. And I had to really introspect a while because we are defined by our reactions to things. And you heard me say this in the beginning segment where we are defined by our reaction to things, by what what we do when we face adversity. So I thought about this. What was my first reaction? And it was fear. Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to lose her to someone else because they're going to sweep her off her feet. 
And so I went into myself and I thought about it for a while and I go, wait a minute, is it fair of me? I mean, am I going to fly down there tomorrow and meet her and find out if this is real? Is it fair of me to restrict her, to limit her, to control her? And that word came up and I was like, whoa, what am I doing? That is exactly not the way to start any relationship or continue or maintain a relationship. That's not the way to do it. Am I trying to take away her free will, her choice to have choices, her choice to have options? Am I taking that away? And it didn't take me long to figure out that I was absolutely trying to control her. And once I figured that out, I backed off and said, and I I told myself, that is dysfunctional. That is unhealthy. That's not the way I want someone to like me. That's not the person I want to be. And uh, like I said, this all happened in like a span of a minute or two while we were talking. And so I said, you know, I'm wrong. (laughs) I said, I think you should do whatever you'd like. If you want to continue dating, that's perfectly fine. And that makes total sense. It's not up to me whether you date or not or, you know, meet prospective people or not. It's not my business. And, you know, I could suddenly tell that she had a different attitude. And she said, what? You're you're okay with it? I was like, yeah. You know, we aren't a couple. We are getting to know each other. And it's not for me to control what you do in your life. If you really want to be with me and I want to really want to be with you and it it works out that way, then great. It was meant to be. And so she sat with that for a few seconds and then she said, well, thank you. Okay. And then we had the rest of our conversation and everything was great. Well, <laughs> the next morning she says something to me that totally shocked me. She said, well, I turned off my profile and I'm no longer looking to date anyone else. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, you were so adamant yesterday. What, what happened? And she said something I'll never forget. She said, as soon as you let me have my own choice, I realized that this is something I want to pursue. I realized that this relationship might be worth investing more into. I was, again, shocked, and I didn't know what to say. And I sat there, and I said, wow, okay, Uh, are you sure? You know, I didn't mean for you to stop doing that. In fact, I'm perfectly fine with you doing that. I I want you to explore all your options and, you know, do whatever you want or need to do. And she said, again, no, it's because you are like that that I stopped. And I was just sitting with that again for a minute going, what just happened? (laughs) And we just finished talking about that. And she said that was the moment that I pretty much knew that I was going to continue with you and you alone. She said, if you hadn't done that and you had kept on the path of trying to control my choices or what I did with my time, we probably would not have ever physically met. 
I was like, wow, <laughs> that one moment, I could have ruined it all, but it made sense. And I'm so glad I came to that realization in myself because what I have now is phenomenal. What we have together is fantastic. But it was a huge lesson for me because when that insecurity first came up, thinking that, ah, oh, gee, she's going to see other guys. I mean, what, what does this mean? Where does that put me? And, you know, I really, I think my ego was hurt and I think I was having these fears out of something that didn't even exist yet. It was strange, but I think you get probably what I was feeling. So when she said that, she goes, if you hadn't done that, we probably never would have met. I got it. I, I, you know, I get it now because I've learned a lot in the past year and a half. Uh, but I get this and this is something I want to share with you. This is how you empower people. This is how you can help someone reach a decision on their own so that they feel it through and through. Now, I look back at what I did at that time and I think to myself, what was I doing? How come I said that? And I realized I didn't want someone that I coerced into liking me or being with me. I just thought that might be worse to have a relationship that started off with me making a rule to control her choices. It didn't make me feel very good. I would rather be with someone that wanted to be with me through and through and they, they came to the decision on their own without having me trying to convince them of the things they need to do so we can be together. And again, that was a huge lesson for me. I mean, I was learning it as it was happening, but I think, I, I mean, I know when I look back, I made the right choice and that right choice was to be okay with her choice. When you can let someone be okay with their own choice, without your coercion, without your influence, they'll be empowered to make the decision that's right for both of you. Most of the time. I mean, I'm not saying that this always works, but you know, a good 95 plus percent of the time, that's how it works. You let someone make the choice that's right for them, that choice is also going to be right for you. And in a relationship, this is especially important because if their choice is to not be with you, but you've somehow coerced or influenced them to be with you, that's not going to last. Or it's not going to be as happy as it could be, especially for one person. <laughs> so that's what I want you to take away from this segment is that allowing people to come to their own decisions is the most powerful thing you can do for them because it empowers them. They can feel that decision through and through and they will be completely in line with what they really want. And if they really want, again, in the relationship example, if they really want to be with you, that's a much better place to be than having to coerce or influence them to be with you. And this works in any situation where you're working with or dealing with or being friendly with someone else in your life. When you give them an opportunity to make a decision, it helps build their confidence, their emotional strength. It shows them that you care about their choices, about their personal boundaries. 
It shows that you respect them. It shows a whole lot about you. And it makes them feel free around you. And that's something you definitely will benefit from as your relationship continues. And again, it may not continue. If their choice is to not be around you or not be with you, then that is also empowering for both of you because then the healing can start and you can move on without each other. Because if one of you doesn't want to be around and the other one does, it's still not going to work. If my girlfriend said, look, I found someone else down here and he's really great and I think I'm just going to go for it, I would have to bow down. I would be sad and say, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, certainly let me know. I'll be here. And I really believe that's how I would have responded because I did come to a new place inside myself. And it feels good. It feels good to let someone live their life the way they want to. And sometimes they want to live it with you in it and sometimes they don't. And I know when they don't, it's harder. It's really hard. But it's one of the best gifts you can give to someone else. So that's it for this segment. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk again next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. Remember, you can move forward alone, hoping things go well, Or you can pay less than a dollar a day to get an attorney to help you through almost any situation. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, visit GetOutOfTheMess.com or call Asha at 678-355-8777. I want to thank you if you purchased a book or a worksheet or especially used the Amazon link to shop as you normally would, which gives us pennies for every dollar you spend. It may not sound like much, but your contributions and shopping habits are making a difference. If you shop through that Amazon link, it helps the show directly. So thank you. Also, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And I want to close with this thought. In the beginning of the show, I talked about metaphysical malpractice. And one of the reasons I talked about that is because I have a good friend who is in, or at least was in, many of these uh, circles of healers and energy coaches and uh, all these people in the metaphysical realm. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of those people because I always believe if it works for someone, then it's worth having in the world. Like I've said before, if energy work works for you, keep doing it. If you rely on the law of attraction and it's working for you, keep doing it. If you feel good about doing something or believing in something, keep doing it. Don't listen to anyone unless it's harming you or harming someone else. Keep going along with the beliefs and the modalities that make you feel uh, whole or happy or satisfied. And also be aware that there are people out there like what my friend has experienced that will come up to her and espouse their infinite wisdom on what she should do with her life and how she filters what is going to work for her and what isn't 
is by how she feels when talking with them. This could be instinct. This could be a sixth sense. I don't know. But you know when... Have you ever had this experience where a salesperson comes up to you and they just start talking to you, trying to convince you to buy something or look at something and you're really not that interested? It's like when I bought a car stereo in the 90s. At checkout, what they do is try to sell me an extended warranty. You need a three-year extended warranty. If anything happens, you can bring the car stereo in and we'll replace it no problem. And that always (laughs) made me feel uncomfortable. Now, whether they were right or wrong doesn't matter. I just felt uncomfortable about it. I felt like they were encroaching upon me. They were being intrusive, even though I was there to buy from them. Well, my friend has felt this same way about some spiritual teachers that have come up to her and have said, you need to do this for your life. This is the reason that this is happening in your life. This is the reason you're having bad luck. This is the reason you're not making money is because you're not doing X, Y, Z. You're not thinking positively enough. You're not uh, concentrating on what you want to manifest enough. It's always something you're doing. You're doing something wrong. And I'm here to tell you how to do it right. And, And some of the stories that she's told me are almost laughable. Like a teacher that would come up to her and tell her how to manifest money drives home in their 1982 Plymouth Reliant or something. Now, not that having a car means that you're wealthy or or you're not wealthy, but you get the idea. Where is the congruence? If someone comes up who's unhealthy and teaches you about health, where's the congruence there? I'm trying not to make judgments here. I'm trying to be very careful about how close I come to the edge of being judgmental or putting any particular teachings down. I'm talking about individual people who aren't congruent, who aren't consistent with their teachings. Just like the example I gave earlier where... Someone promised to go to a class and the teacher said, great, I'll see you there. It's going to be great. And we're going to learn so much about whatever it was, eternal bliss. And the guy had to cancel because of something personal that came up. And she, quite frankly, flipped out. Who is this person? Do you want to be taught by this person? They may have great lessons. They may know how to teach you. It may be you, I don't know, and I'm trying to be careful on on being too judgmental because we all have bad days, we all have our moments. So you just have to figure out if that's who they really are all the time and they just put on a show, or is this just one of those bad days and they calm down and they apologize and they say, I was just reacting out of fear, I have bills this month and I wasn't sure when you said you're not going to come, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, you know, Are they authentic at that point and is this something that would be okay in your life? I prefer authentic people. I prefer someone to have a bad day and go, you know what? I really lost it and I apologize. I am so sorry. I just, I was reacting out of fear. I I put my need to have my bills paid over what I teach or what I believe and I need to work on that. I need to heal myself. Boy, if a teacher said that to me after they lost it, I would be much more inclined 
to want to learn from that person. Someone who recognizes their own pain points, their own where they need to heal most. So that's all I'm going to say about metaphysical malpractice. I just think it's a neat term, but at the same time, it's a serious thing and you just have to be careful who your teachers are. If you feel good listening to them and your life is getting better having them around and learning from their teachings, keep going. Keep doing what you're doing because that will create if whatever creates a better life for you, whatever empowers you to make the decisions that are right for you is the direction I always want you to go because I want you to keep your mind open and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want always take steps to grow and evolve you're powerful beyond measure and above all and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you you are amazing Peter Positive. Thank you for calling. Please leave your excellent message after the tone, and I will joyfully call you back as soon as positive. <laughs> I mean possible. Until then, think positively.